Previously on Sorta Awesome Plus, Kyle and Meg began laying the framework around the question, who is Joe Exotic? This episode is the most planned and scripted of any yet released under the Sorta Awesome Plus name. You may use that fact to support your like or dislike of this content. All right. All right. It is, in fact, take three. Take three. Here we go. All right. Yeah. And that's, we're getting a little bit of a rocky start. And also, our producer, you're exhausted. I'm exhausted. Uh, night before last, much to the detriment of the awesome community, I fell asleep early and I got no Joe Exotic watched. Last night, however, to my detriment and your benefit, I'm not sure how much sleep occurred, but I did power watch the entirety of the rest of the series and the bonus content. Yeah, you did. So you did. Not me so much, uh, yeah. but you did. <laughs> Some, you were in and out. Nico yeah. helped you catch the important parts. Yes, that's true. Okay, so, well, yeah, so you have thoughts. I have we, thoughts. Oh. Normally, I feel like this is important to put out there. Yes. Normally, we are very unscripted, all of that. There is yes. so much to fit into an episode or however much longer this takes. I hope it's just today wraps it up. Yeah. That is like, I, I've got to have some notes here and some pre-thought mm -hmm. or it'll be a bigger mess than normal. That's true. This may be slightly scripted, but normally if you or I are together, the both of us engage in a piece of media, or as we English majors, majors like to call it a text, even if it's a TV series, um, then we spend a good part of our sit down and talk about lifetime talking about the thing. So this is yes. very natural and normal for us to, yes. uh, to do some pop culture debrief and download when you have finished a series or I have. So, so I've got notes. I don't know if that shows up in the camera. I will. I'm not talking to my crotch. I will be looking down at the notes periodically. So you say. <laughs> as far as you know, um, <laughs> but you do have pants on. So. Do I? <laughs> Maybe pants for a workout? I don't Ooh. know. All right. So, yeah, watched all that stuff. I've also, uh, as I've mentioned in the past, I've I've gone through podcast stuff with this. And then today did just a little bit more follow-up reading to help solidify thought and how I felt like it might be meaningful to journey through this. I had seen a couple of places where they'd gone in and they had ranked characters mm -hmm. uh, for different reasons. Sure. And I thought that was interesting, but I thought it might be more interesting to group the characters yes. into classifications and kind of go through, through things from that perspective. Because if you have not seen Tiger King... Well, you should. This will be a huge spoiler. Uh, yes, first of all, spoiler. But secondly, there is an absolute sprawling cast of characters. This is a docu-series that started out, I think, focusing on one little tight-knit group. And then it just, like, uh, went so many different directions. There are so many characters that even I, who pride myself on keeping track of character names, and these are real people, of course, not just characters. Even I cannot keep up with who is who. But you have right. gone through and done some very high-level INTJ-type organization of what we've got going on with these people. I've tried. I've tried. And this is as much for you yes. as it is for the rest I, of you. Yeah. So just 
leaping right in. The first group, which I have called the best group. Mm. These are, it is Saf, yeah. Eric Cowie, John Ranke. These are the people that, like all of us, they certainly have quirks. Sure. But these three seemed to love the animals and to take as good a care of the animals as they could yeah. in this setting. So Saf or Kelsey Safri, but yeah, or Safi, Safari, something. Yeah, prefers to be called Saf. Dang yes. it. Um, again, seems to very legitimately love and care about those animals, especially uh, when you look at the information that wasn't necessarily necessarily part of those seven episodes. Mm-hmm. This is a very even keel person, yes, um, and just very concerned and loving of those those animals. Bonus. This is one of the few characters that seem to have avoided being caught up in all of the drug use and other insanity. Saf, in a a cast of people who are pretty not awesome, Saf rises to the top. He is my favorite person that we got to meet through this. I would love to know more. I want want a docu-series about Saf. Well, it'll never happen because he's not yeah. interesting enough to be scandalous. I think he is. Okay, let's keep going. To be scandalous. So. Okay. Um, Eric Cowie in this, I mean, he's he's pretty ragged. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's honestly like so many people that you'd cross paths with. He he speaks a little bit rough. No, wait, which one is him? Which one is him? Mm-hmm. That's which getting one wish. is that guy? <laughs> I've been watching um, too much Joe Exotic. I forgot how to use yeah. the English language. Uh, who is Eric Cowie? I cannot remember. Super long hair. Okay. Um, he he and uh, Joe, the third. Okay. Joe is the one that had the very highly decorated prosthetic legs. Oh, okay. And okay. then Eric, he and Eric were basically the two who really spearheaded the taking care of and, and running of okay. everything. Now there. I know who you're talking about. Okay. So yes. he's, he's the kind of person, you know, not everything has gone his way in life, yes. uh, but he's identified something that he likes to do, something yeah. that he wants to do that brings him value. And he does it. Mm-hmm. He has a conscience. He does his best to reconcile the parts of life where he's kind of had to do something less than ideal. Yeah. Uh, just so that he could hang on to the opportunities that he does have to do good where he is. Agreed. That's good. And then John, uh, again, the the guy, his prosthetics are amazing. Yeah, The artwork on those. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I almost feel like he had to have had a high-dollar tattoo artist or something that helped design that. If I hadn't have watched the show, I would be disappointed in life if you didn't show me at least a picture of him because the artwork he does have going on with his prosthetics it is, I mean, talk about finding the awesome. It's yeah. something that probably was not a great thing in his life. But right. It has right. turned it into truly something amazing. So, And he's, you know, again, he's a behind-the-scenes guy that's helping to hold everything together. I think he may have been, I cannot recall, he may have been the longest-term staffer there. Okay. Uh, that, that has just always, had always helped hold it together. Yeah. Um, bringing some legitimacy that otherwise wouldn't have existed to the whole thing. To the GW Zoo in Winniewood, Oklahoma. Yes. As, leg- as legit as anything can be there. Well, <laughs> indeed. Wait, you know what's so funny? In the entirety, in the entirety of this docuseries, was it ever mentioned once, Arbuckle Wilderness? 
No, but there is, towards the end of it, uh, Joe goes into hiding, and it does show that he's in Turner Falls area. Okay. Well, in Turner so. Falls area, Oklahoma, southern Oklahoma, truly my hometown stomping grounds, there is another wildlife park called Arbuckle Wilderness that does, I don't remember them having big cats, but they for sure had giraffes. Giraffes. And other variety of wild animals. And I'm just surprised that they didn't take it. There was no kind of like rivalry going on there. Maybe there was, and it just didn't fit into the narrative of this story. But I was so surprised there was no Arbuckle Wilderness shout out. I wasn't. Arbuckle is so tame in comparison. It's so tame and probably relatively it's drama like you free. Might drive by and see a half dead 82 year old giraffe whose neck is kinked over. <laughs> oh no. Trying to uh, bite off of a tree. It's now, a very different I, experience. I have never been to the GW Zoo, but I have been to Arbuckle Wilderness more than once. <laughs> And you still have all your fingers. I still have all my fingers. No it's animals to shoot them off. Okay. So that's the good. That is the good group. Okay. Um, and then we move into the sad group. Oh. Yeah. Okay. This is Travis Maldonado mm -hmm. and Joshua oh, Dial. Good old Josh Dial. So all right. Travis, he's he's the young man that has arrived at like age 19 from California. Um if I'm remembering correctly, plainly already deeply emerged in the drug scene. Yeah. And that was part of the draw was like, hey, it's free drugs to hang out here. Ends up, uh, of course, marrying Joe as one of the the trifecta there of, yes. of the romance. Okay, good. Love triangle, but without the sort of drama, just sort of, yeah. yeah. Both married to Joe. All so right. he's... There's not a ton of footage where he's directly engaged with the camera. My suspicion is because for all of those years that he was there, he just stayed in such a drug-induced stupor that there probably wasn't a whole lot. Yeah. And that in and of itself is sad. It but is. then the accidental death yeah. where he, he shoots himself. What a what just what a tragic it is a sad story. It really thing. Is. Yeah. And partially because of this, but partially just also because of who he is. Joshua Dial, I, gr I throw into the sad group as well. He's Joe's campaign manager for both presidential and gubernatorial yes. races. But their connection goes deeper because in his late 20s, early 30s range, he's working in the sporting goods section of Walmart and Joe runs across him However frequently it is that Joe well, goes in to buy ammunition. I mean, how at the Winniewood Walmart, you're going to get to right. know your local Walmart staff. And you can probably see the sporting goods section from the front door. Yes. Because it's not, it's not, it's a, not a huge Walmart. It's not a super center, you guys. It's an old style, yeah. tiny Walmart store. Okay. But that's where he met Joshua. Yes. Um, and, and I can't imagine the trauma of seeing Travis... Yeah. Accidentally shoot himself in the head. Yeah. Um, and, and in some of the later interviews, Josh is excited about maybe getting enough money somehow from all of this semi and short lived fame that he can afford some treatment and maybe some drugs, just whatever is necessary, legal drugs, whatever's necessary to kind of patch together his broken psyche from. Yeah. All of that experience. Wait, I do have to interject that it is through Joe Exotic's gubernatorial run that we got to see footage of our neighborhood a few blocks yeah. away. Yeah, literally, what, maybe half a mile? Yeah. Three quarters much. of a mile yeah. at most from our house 
he he rolled through. Now you're given a lot of credit. It wasn't the gubernatorial parade. No, he showed up to Pride, Pride weekend yes. and piggybacked on that too. Yes, alert. it was like this much of footage, yeah. but it sure probably enough. right before they arrested him for <laughs> something. It was right before he showed off the condoms he had made. Yeah, for his. Uh, run for the governor. Um, spoiler, you guys, he didn't win. He didn't win. Double spoiler, we didn't manage to get our hands on any of those condoms. So That's right. That will not be any kind of bonus prize for drawing. Oh, man, we missed a huge yeah. opportunity there. Okay. Last thing about Josh, interestingly, um, some of the sources, some of the, the interviews, he, at least for a time, I don't know if this is still true, but for a time, he held by with conviction that everything that happened to Joe was entrapment. Not that Joe was innocent, that he wasn't a wackadoo, mm -hmm. but that it was it was shady. So he's still Team Joe to this day. So last I saw that, that could have changed okay. because we'll get to a, another reference here in a moment Okay. and related to that. Okay, so that was a sad group. That's Team the two. sad group. All right. And we move into the running unattached or the also ran group. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is something... Because of my background in athletics, it's a concept I'm familiar with. Meg is familiar with because we talk about it. Running unattached is when someone who is ineligible for competition is still allowed to compete. So they're not eligible to win any of that. They're just kind of there doing it for no reason. Yeah. Um, other other than you know, separate reasons, I guess, for extra practice, maybe. Sure. Also ran as a term attached to somebody. Like if you were to report the results of a race, you know, first, second, third were these people. And then also ran were these guys. Every race I've ever run in, I've been an also been ran. Also so my ran. heart is with the also ran. So Joe was technically an also ran for the gubernatorial and presidential That's right. campaign. That's right. Um. So effectively, that's that's this group. They're part of the cast, but they're not really all that important to the story. Um, and these two would be Joe's other man-wife, John Finley. Some of you may disagree with this categorization for either of these guys, but okay. John Finley and then the that original producer, Rick Kirkham. Okay. And maybe I'm maybe I throw them in that category. For reasons that we'll get to in the next group. Let me finish up with them quickly. Okay. Uh, between the podcast, the Netflix series, the, the after show, all the other sources I've seen, John really struggles to say the same thing twice. Yeah. And rarely more than, if he does say it to it, it ain't hitting three. Yeah. Um, he was a heavy meth user. Yeah. As evidenced by his teeth during that. That wasn't just, I don't brush my teeth. That right. was drug induced. Yeah. Likely a whole lot of other drugs as well. I strongly doubt that cat can even remember accurately anything from yeah. the time that that was all going on. And yeah. he didn't seem to really be an active part of the business either. No. So... He, yeah, he has some troubles, but yeah, yeah, so in terms of, he's sort of an also ran in the sense that he wasn't all, he didn't seem to be all mixed up in the drama. Right. Of, I mean, there was certainly some there. Sure. Because it was, it was, well, he's gay. Well, no, he's not gay because he's sleeping with girls. And then he leaves Joe at some point, and they don't show this in the series, I don't think, where they actually have a, a pretty serious fight and... Then Finley leaves with one of the gals, but continues to work on a separate property for Joe. Marries the gal. He has a kid. I just, or no, he doesn't marry her. Just living together. I think okay. ah, it is a mess. 
Um, but yeah, there's a lot of, I guess there's probably potentially a lot of content that wasn't shown, that oh, could have sure. been shared, that maybe would have brought him out of the also ran sure, category. Sure, 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 yeah. And then Rick Kirkham, I, the guy bothers me a lot. He, see, he was a meth addict before he'd ever even heard of Joe. Mm -hmm. And this was why he'd ever been looking to find Joe, because he was losing his job. Mm -hmm. My suspicion is that eventually, so he, I feel like he wasn't a meth addict the entire time he was there, but certainly a huge glut at the beginning. And he's um, the he was the producer. Producer of their show, but also did that for permission to do his own documentary. Oh, that's right. There's a huge fire on the property. Yes. Supposedly all of his footage is lost. Now, I'm not at all ashamed or light-handed with supposition and judgment. Mm -hmm. Gotta this is that this is entertainment, so I'm throwing it out here. Yeah. Like this is this is the truth. You have to follow that INTJ yeah. intuition wherever it leads you, and trust it. So, I think that as he started to sober up, because they never solved who the arsonist was. No, I think that as he started to sober up, he realized I've got thousands of hours of footage sitting over here that can get me thrown in not jail but prison. Prison, and I think he. He torched it to save himself. Yeah. Not mentioned in the series. Something else I think is interesting is that after he had parted ways, maybe a year or so later, his home in Dallas caught fire. Exactly. Now, so I feel like the, the series, the Netflix series, paints a picture that Joe is the one who said it while he was, or had it set while he was out of town in Chicago for a funeral. Um, but On the, not the home, you're talking about on... The, the ranch property. Yes. Yeah. The studio that went up in flames. Which was on ranch property. Yes, okay. Um, but you're saying don't believe what the documentary is trying to get you to believe. I don't believe hardly anything the documentary says because it's all with a, a slant. They decided the story and then edited to it. Okay. Uh, but I think that, that this is a perfect example of it. But yeah. you're saying you're seeing through all of that and just putting the, all yes, of these, these things are, together with Rick. Yes, these are my spiny likely, senses. Yeah. Your spidey sense says Rick's the one who set that fire. I think so. And it could have been, like I said, it could have been certainly from this perspective that he's recognized that he's condemned himself yeah. if he doesn't get rid of that stuff. But then another thought hit me. Um, there's not many people that are on meth that get off meth and never get back on meth. And That's the truth. All of that. And I thought as well, it's, it's certainly possible, if not probable, that he was a meth cook mm -hmm. and he had an accident in both places and burned down properties. Okay. Who knows? Who knows? But there was a little bit of security footage, too, of him. It looked like, like him skulking like him across the Skulking yard. by, it looks like, it looks like Bigfoot or something. Right. That kind of Either that footage. or like Monty Python's Institute of Funny Walks. It was a really weird. Skulking by right before the fire broke out. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that's our also rans. But then we move into a subgroup, which oh. Meg actually named. Okay. Which was... The Walk It Back crowd. The Walk It Back crowd, which yes. is beautifully named. This is repeats. It's John Finley, it's Rick Kirkham, and it's Joshua Dial. And the reason being is because since the document, the docuseries aired, these three separately have made a plethora of insistent corrections. You know, I was or wasn't gay. I did or didn't do drugs. I was or wasn't involved in fill in the blank. It's as though they've become 
only currently embarrassed and tried to revise history a bit mm -hmm. as they've seen how it's played with the bigger audience. Oh, for sure there's some revisionist history going on. And beyond these main episodes, the podcasts, the interviews, the other material out there, my goodness, the number of previously made statements that just never, and then the next set and the next set, these things that just never find their way back to the same story. This yes. is especially true for Finley. Yes. Who you listen to him being interviewed on podcast, you look at him interviewed anywhere within the docu-series, and then you go to the last, the bonus mm -hmm. episode where he's interviewed. It's Things don't it add up. Yeah, it ain't, it ain't right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's the Walk It Back that's crowd. That's the Walk It Back crowd. Now, this is... I struggle to know who the biggest criminal is, who to oh decide who the biggest criminals are. Yes. This group is the pseudo-syndicate. Okay. As in... As in, yes, and pseudo as in fake, not pseudofed. <laughs> not like they're, you know, just because Jeff Lowe, has there ever, Ugh. ever been a bigger wannabe that couldn't even figure out what it was he wanna be? The worst. Is he a biker? Is he a mobster? Is he a con artist? Is he just trapped in midlife crisis? Oh what the hell's going on with this guy? I don't know. I don't know, but I do know he's the worst. He is the worst. So he is an angel investor Supposedly. without any money. He has no money of his own. He brings he brings Alan Glover along with him, who's his lackey. Yeah. His henchman. His, his handyman slash actual henchman. Right. Yeah. Who was then... The supposed hitman. Um, and then I, I'm pretty sure, too, I don't want to go back and have to repower watch everything. I'm pretty sure, too, it was Lowe who then introduces mm -hmm. Gerritsen. Now, Gerritsen imagines himself to be legit because he'd gotten away with a bunch of... Oh, yeah low-level crimes that were, like, literally so imp unimpressive that law enforcement's like, hey, we can't take resources away from speed traps and parking citations for that douche or just <laughs> let it ride. So here you've got these two complete posers, yes. mm -hmm. and that's why they are the pseudo-syndicate to me. Uh -huh. um, you know, And I, I firmly believe that Lowe came in from the start to take advantage of Joe, to use Gerritsen as a tool, and then eventual next victim. Yes. That just like he has done since. Just continue to rob, steal, and Clearly. try to stay out of jail. Yeah. Now, whether whether it's related or not, or on accident, or on purpose, or any of that, because you're talking about a bunch of guys that are, like, convicted felons already. Mm -hmm. So who knows? I don't always give a lot of... Faith in the brilliance of the FBI. That's a whole nother story. That's a hot take. Okay. Let's um, keep it going, though. So who knows how or why exactly they get involved, but they do get involved and they approach Garrison. Okay. And so from there, I, I would surmise one of two things mm -hmm. happens. Either Garrison freaked out and ran straight to Lowe, or he was so bad at trying to get Lowe to incriminate himself on on tape, on a hidden wire, yeah. that Lowe, who isn't a complete moron, was like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> 
gets it sorted out because again, Gerritsen would have also caved that. Oh, you're right. You're caught me. This is what we're doing. Right. Totally. He absolutely would. Yeah. Have. And so ultimately then I still, I think it's low who then unifies. Of course, of course, Glover's going to do anything Lowe says because mm -hmm. he has his whole life since he got out of jail the first time. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that, that Lowe organizes this this uniting yeah. to save each other and at the at the expense or at the hand of throwing Joe under the bus. I sure, think. yes. Um, and I think that the murder for higher angle is complete garbage. Okay. I think... At, at most, I think that Lowe and Gerritsen, one or the other, maybe they dreamed it up and the FBI encouraged it. Or maybe the FBI suggested it because those two couldn't fight their way out of a wet paper bag. <laughs> I don't know. But this is the plan. And it, it wouldn't have taken much at this point to get Joe to go along oh, with sure. anything. And they didn't have to get much on tape. Right. To make it sound like it's a deal. And then you've got, oh, of course, the, you know, the witness Glover. Yeah, Joe gave me money and blah, blah, blah. Well, here's the thing, too. You're absolutely right. Because at the time all of this comes to a head, uh, Joe Exotic is so out of his mind with rage towards Carol Baskin, who at this point has bankrupted his parents because of yes. some, whatever. Yes. It's very complicated. But he is like completely losing his mind with rage the need for vengeance. So, I mean, they probably barely had to even suggest the idea. Right. He was just nudge a little bit. Nudge. And then, yeah. he, you know, he may have been like, what? No. And they're like, no, really, really, Joe, this could take care of all your problems. I yeah. could see it going super easy. Cause I don't oh, think yeah. Joe's a really hard guy to, to influence. Oh, there's especially no if you're that. just giving him a nudge in a direction that he was already leaning. Mm -hmm. So, and I, and I would tack on, and this I feel like was a statement made by someone along the way as well, that that by itself, the murder for hire thing was so weak that would never have worked for for filing official charges. That was just a very nice extra yeah. to lump in with all the other things that would not have been nearly so impressive in terms of sentencing sure. or in terms of fanfare, because don't kid yourself. The, the legal system, and this isn't a slam against them, it's a very human thing. Our legal system at all levels, whether it's local, state, federal, whatever, I mean, they're looking for the big win, too. Oh, sure. They're looking for the newspaper article that yeah, makes yeah. them, that, that compensates for the five other times they really stuck their foot in their mouth or blew it on something. Like, as we've mentioned in the past, the whole thing with uh, Adam Koresh's brother, <laughs> David, who had the really big blowout at Waco. Yes. So, okay, that brings us to that's through the pseudo syndicate, the the stooges of mobsters. This <laughs> brings us then to the three finger death punch group. Okay, which is Joe Exotic, Carol Baskin, mm -hmm. and Doc Antle. Yes. So Carol Baskin, there is nothing that contradicts the perspective that her start in the big cat business was. Hmm. Muddy, to say the least. <laughs> That's generous. That she was doing a lot of the things, if not all the things, that she later is screaming so loudly about and condemning others for. Yes. And I do think it was her second husband, because this gal, she doesn't have a lot on the ball. Okay. That's fine. 
when it when it comes to what I think would be necessary to really at least good enough cover up a, a pretty nasty crime. Okay. Series of crimes. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's her second husband, and not, that's none of this is a, a statement of you know well she had the lady brain and she couldn't have figured it out. Yeah. It's this instance her and him. He's he's snaky as can be. I'm sorry, the third husband. Okay, I was so uh, confused. No, 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 no. Back okay. up. Second husband. Yes, okay. because he comes into the original, the original reserve okay. with her. Yes, and gets everything going. And everybody that talks about him is is like, yeah, he was he was business brilliant. Okay, he just everything he did made money. Okay, he was also illegal, knew how to do that and get away with it, mm-hmm. um, and in the right levels, and even had gotten to the point where he was going to move the the ranch to. Costa Rica, I think, probably okay. identifying an easier way to continue and or accelerate the profitability of okay. illegal endeavors. Um, she wasn't on board with that problems, and she ends up then with a third husband who helped. He's a very polished turd. <laughs> Everybody knows somebody like this guy. He He knows how to be... Right in the right circles. Former banker, big surprise. Oh dear. Yeah, okay. No slam against bankers, but you do <laughs> you do see some shiny pants glad handers in the financial services industry. And you'd know. And yeah. So and, and he he does. He knows how to create good optics. He knows how to keep her crazy in check. He knows how to get them in front of and has connections to influential people. Mm-hmm. I promise you he was the one that really was like, Hey, let's let's go get PETA neck deep in this mess. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she's a disaster. Did she kill her second husband and feed him to the tigers? You know she killed him. Okay. There's like, I don't think anybody that even questions this. Really? Okay. Of course she killed him. Okay. Now, did she feed him to the cats? Uh, who knows? She has access to big hungry cats. She has access to the swamps in Florida. Well, she has access to the big blue ocean. Okay. So take your pick. You don't think he got mixed up in some kind of drug something or anything yeah. like that? Okay. No. I don't know. It is. He's. It's the body's never been recovered though, right? No. Right. But any of those three things I suggested would have been sure. Yes. Perfect ways, not to mention the ways I've done it myself in the past. Mm-hmm. Edit. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. Now Doc Antle. Oh my gosh! Speaking of smarmy and yeah. God, I hate him. This guy could easily have been and may very well be the solo focus of an even stronger docuseries uh-huh. at some point. Yeah. The harem, his cult compound, the meticulous organization. Oh, yeah. And the extensive reach of his animal trafficking and who knows what the hell else. That he's trafficking. Right. Mm-hmm. Once you have once you have the railroad in place, you don't mm-hmm. limit it to one cargo, right? Yep. He, and he's every bit as crazy as both Baskin and Joe, but this guy does a lot better job of keeping that crazy camouflaged. Yeah, he does. I mean, there's some out there. Yeah. But just look at the amount of content for what you watched through your closed eyelids. Look at the amount of content in there that is Joe, that is Carol, and then how much is him? 
And I promise you, if he wasn't good at hiding the crazy, mm. there would have been a lot more content. Yes, that's true. That's true. He also, I do think it's interesting the filmmakers left in, he was trying to direct them. Yeah. Like, here's how you should do this shot. You guys come up. I wonder if he probably, like, just on the surface could have had an interesting docuseries, but he's, like, just such a pain to film and work with because he's trying to direct the whole thing that they're like, "Mm, we're not going to stick around Or maybe you just needed him to go through the other entrance away from the pile of dead bodies or something. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? So now we come to... Our boy Joe. Mm-hmm. This this little trifecta of characters, one possible perspective of their story is that they are all ultimately fighting for market share mm-hmm. in the same business, which happens to be an illegal business. Yes. So, yes, illegal business, but then you have uh, that they're fighting for market share, especially between Joe and Carol. And as much as anything, it really seems to me like they're fighting over who's going to be the number one hit on Google. They're fighting over marketing algorithm. Oh my gosh, it's so true. Yeah. That really does seem to be their biggest point of contention with each other. Yes. And it's, you know, he he copied their logo to use on a thing and mentions how quickly her stuff comes up in the results. It's, mm-hmm. I promise you, both of them, huge, huge presence on, on Facebook and in mm-hmm. all the social media. And then you've got Doc Antle over here. And I think another reason maybe he's a little bit more periphery in the story is because I think he has an older and stronger presence okay. in this business. Right. I don't think he needs the advertising. He's yeah. got his hooks into whatever weird, rich, illegal, mm-hmm. what, Silk Road or whatever. Is that what that thing used to be called? It may even still be a thing. Mm-hmm. The the black market. Okay. I don't know. I plainly never bought anything there. Um <laughs> So, yeah, you have him who does, he does a good job of not running his mouth as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have Carol who has the benefit of a spouse who's skilled at playing in the gray and even light black areas of legality. Does Joe ever stand a chance against this? No, he doesn't. Right? And so, did Joe start out terrible? No, I don't think so. No. I don't think he started out terrible. I think he started out wacky, mm-hmm. but but not terrible. And I think it was the stress of just trying to survive that fueled sure. this incremental and ongoing compromise mm-hmm. of, of morality and ethic and everything else. And, of course, law. Yeah. And he absolutely broke the law. Mm-hmm. There was testimony enough to convince 12 jurors of really understand. The only thing that, that really he's convicted of is that 12 jurors agreed he should be in prison. Okay. And bless his heart, Joe set the stage so that there was no possible way for him to end up anywhere besides prison. Yeah. So the question or perspective that started me down this this whole trail was, are small town people crazy? Mm-hmm. Now, if we suppose for a moment that Carol, Doc, and Joe all share equal guilt in similar crimes. Yeah. Which I think is a fair yeah. assumption. Totally. Well, one of them operates out of Myrtle Beach. One of them operates out of Tampa, Florida. Mm-hmm. 
And the only one in prison comes from Winniewood, Oklahoma, with a population of 2,200. Mm-hmm. So is any one crazier than the other? I, I don't think so. Is it possible that in a small town, crazy just simply doesn't have anywhere to hide? Yeah. Crazy doesn't have a good example around to help him out? That's right. So that that's thoughts. Now... I think this is very crucial to include. Yeah. In an effort to thoroughly and completely embarrass our daughters, mm-hmm. Meg and I like to use the slang words of their generation as much as possible. So we've prepared this for you. Closing statement. Yes. Okay. In teen slang, Joe Exotic is so extra. His shirts are snatched but his hair is big yikes. His downfall originated from his inability to stop flexing on Carol Baskin. I mean, it was odds that he high-key hated her. Just the mention of her name got him mad salty. Mad salty. He was shook when the guilty verdict finally came in, but really, so many of his former associates had spilled the tea how could he have not seen it coming? Indeed. Indeed. That's what it comes down to. Both daughters, we previewed this with, yeah. in turn, beat red. They hated it. They were angry. They so it's our pleasure to share this with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All right. Okay. Thank you for the rundown. Now I feel like I thoroughly know what happened in this series. And more importantly, how this cast of characters, how they shake out in the yes. end. How so. to find the next Joe before it's too late. Well, I mean, we don't have to look very far. It's true. Okay. Well, right. we'll see you all next time. Good day. This concludes the regular episodes of Season 1 of Sorta Awesome Plus. It will be followed by a wrap-up and discussion related to what comes next. Thank you for pushing play. I'm